Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. This is the first edition of the Asman and Budic podcast. As always, I'm joined by Jake Asman, and uh, this will be simulcast on iTunes, on ictv.org, and uh, we're happy to be here, Jake. We're really excited. Obviously, uh, we date back, for those who don't know, people who are new to the show. We are both from Long Island. We're from SAS in New York. We've been doing radio broadcasting since we started our career, if you will, at WKWZ at Syosset. Syosset High School's radio station is where we got our first start. Yeah, we took our uh, show to Spreecast, which is an online video website created by the founder of StubHub, Mr. Jeff Fleur, who gave us an opportunity to broadcast some sports things on their site and use it for other entertainment purposes as well. And obviously, here at Ithaca College, where we both attend, uh, we found out about the opportunity to do this podcast, get it on iTunes, have the opportunity to get it streamed on the ICTV website as well. And this all wouldn't be possible without ICTV. Uh, David Owens, who's with us in the studio right now, he's the head of web development. He's helping us make sure everything's great. We also have an outstanding producer we want to say thank you to before we start the show off. That's Mr. Jake Chernock, who Absolutely. signed on thank with us. You, Jake. So uh, we're really excited to get everything going. The way this is going to work is essentially we'll have a couple sport topics, some national stories, some local stories, whatever is the most entertaining thing going on in the sports world. But we also want to add some humor to the Absolutely. show. We want to have some entertainment news. So we're going to get into the show, particularly on this one. We're going to talk a little bit about Jimmy Fallon being the new Tonight Show host. He had his, sh- his first two shows the past two nights. So we're going to really get into that. And, of course, the big news has been Derek Jeter. So we'll dive into that. The NBA trade deadline is coming out on Friday. But, Dan, we're really excited, obviously. We've been doing this for a number of years now. But we think this is uh, one of the cooler opportunities that we've had so far being in this broadcasting industry so far. Yeah, you mentioned uh, we did Spreecast. And, you know, we both said how awesome that was, you know. Jeff Floor gave us an opportunity. We had an opportunity to work at Spreecast. That was a lot of fun. But this is like a new platform. We really never really had like an entertainment or humor aspect to the show. So that's going to be fun to incorporate that you know, into the program. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Yo, absolutely. And before we get, get into the entertainment part, our fact of the day that we'll do at of the course, end of the show, fact of the day. we're working on a lot of segments as well. But we want to say you could tweet us at Jake Asman, at Dan Budick. We'll eventually have a official Twitter account for the show, a Facebook page. Uh, Jake Chernock's Twitter as well. You can find him at, uh, on Twitter. I believe, what is your handle, Mr. Chernock? Jay Chernock 1. Jay Chernock 1, so okay. got to get that out there. Make sure you follow ICTV on Twitter as well. They'll have updates on our show. They'll be able to help us tweet out the link. But, you know, as I was just saying, Dan, just before we got into the the, the uh, you know production room right here, we were watching the Derek Jeter yeah. retirement press conference out in Tampa, Florida, where Jeter, yeah. obviously, he announced his retirement last week with the Facebook post. He got into it more today with the reporters. He held his uh, first press conference out of the entire Yankees team, as reported. As you can imagine, a swarm of media was in attendance. And it was pretty much typical Derek Jeter answers. Nothing too surprising. Didn't say that much. Said he's focused on the season. Says he's healthy. Ready to have a great year. I can't really be too surprised by how Derek Jeter handled that press conference. I think, uh, you know, as I just said, typical Derek Jeter. Nothing surprising. He's not going to tell you too much. Not going to say anything controversial. Business as usual, and as you've seen for the past 20 seasons with him being a Yankee, it's been the same thing with Derek Jeter. Yeah, you know, it was typical Derek Jeter as usual. You mentioned business as usual coming in and, you know, like in, like a regular press conference, and he even said at the beginning of the, of, the, of the press conference he didn't want this to be a press conference. He didn't have a prepared statement. His prepared statement was the speech he put, the, the saying, the announcement he put, posted on Facebook earlier in the week, late last week. That was his... You know, his retirement speech, that's what he was going to put out there. He didn't come with anything prepared. He took immediate Q&A. He acknowledged his teammates. He acknowledged the Yankee brass. And, um, you know, that's all you can ask for. And, I, you know, I think Derek Jeter handled himself in a typical Derek Jeter fashion. And uh, he answered the questions very professionally, as usual. I, you know, I expect that of him. And, uh, you know, it'll be sad to see him gone. But I think it was very interesting, you know, 
to see him in front of the camera saying that this was going to be it. I think it was something that Yankee fans wanted to see. You know, it's one thing to put a statement out on Facebook, you know, that he wrote saying, well, this is going to be my final season, but it's another thing seeing the visual and seeing Derek say, this is it, I want to do other things. And when he was asked, you know, could you play more than, you know, do you have anything else left? Is there any chance that at the end of the season, if you hit 320 and driving over 100 runs, is can you come back? Would you consider another season? He said, I want to go out, you know, knowing that I could still keep doing it. He doesn't want to be remembered as, you know, the guy who couldn't play shortstop anymore, a guy who couldn't field his position anymore. He wants to be remembered as Derek Jeter, the gold glove shortstop, who's one of the greatest shortstops of all time, and I, I respect him for that. Absolutely. Derek, Derek knows when enough is enough. Yeah. He knows that he probably has one good season left in him if he stays healthy. He kept on saying in his press conference just before, the time is now. The yeah. time is now for him to retire. They asked him, as you just said, any chance that you have a great year where you come back and continue playing for another one or two years maybe? And he said no. He said the time is now. He wants to do other things. He mentioned he wanted to start a family. This guy's 40 years old, and you know he's been in a lot of serious relationships, but he doesn't have any children. He mentioned that he has a younger nephew that he's really close with, that he sees the whole aspect of what a family is and all that. It means a lot to him. You know, he even talked about former teammates such as Mariana Rivera and Jorge Posada and Andy Pettit. You know, those three guys, the core four, that they're, as they're known as in this town, in New York City, playing for the Yankees for all those years, winning the four championships, winning the fifth one in 2009 with those four guys to all together. He mentioned the fact that these guys, when they started to retire, started to make him think, when is he going to be up for me? He mentioned he only played 17 games last year, obviously. Missed most of the season, as you could tell. How frustrating that was for him. And he knows he only has one good year left, he says. He knows he has one more in him. He says it's not because of production. He says he knows the time is right. And you respect the guy for trying to go out on top. I always thought Derek Jeter was going to be a guy that you would have to rip the jersey off him for him to stop playing. But I think it's a really you know bold move, a very classy move for him to do this now. You're going to have an opportunity to really appreciate him for one more season. As you saw with Mariano Rivera, Jeter will get a farewell tour in every city he attends, whether he's up in Boston where they give Mariano Rivera a standing ovation and a plaque. Derek Jeter will get the same type of treatment anywhere he goes. Yeah, and it was very interesting just to hear him uh, you know, talk about his relationship with Mariano Posada. And he mentioned Posada a couple years ago, how close him and Jorge were. And then when Jorge left, you know, you know, going on and, and not having those guys there. And I think this is, you know, this is the first year, well, there'll only be one year where he's where none of those guys are there. He's the only piece left. And I think that's you know, that's tough when you play with the same, you know, four guys and you build a team around those four guys for 20 years minus a few years with when uh when Pettit was in Houston what have it, what I hasn't mean, this guy accomplished yeah, he's done it, everything is everything Derek Jeter uh, Derek Jeter has accomplished everything there's nothing more he could do in this game he you know that he wants to do other things listen he's been the face of baseball for listen, 20 yeah, years exactly now. and he's 39 years old turning 40 in baseball years you know god forbid you play shortstop at 40 years old but in the real world he still has a lot of life to live he wants to do a lot of says different he wants things. to own a team Absolutely. he has his own publishing company there's a lot of Derek Jeter can get a job anywhere Absolutely. and that was you mentioned his foundation one of the reasons Jeter said he did his whole retirement uh, essay, if you will, his whole letter to the fans, he did it through Facebook, was because he hoped that more people would be able to check out his Facebook page and see his charity, which is one of the things he mentioned in the press conference. Just shows you the type of guy that Derek Jeter is. But we know all this. I mean, the audience yeah. knows this. If you follow sports, you know who Derek Jeter is. You follow baseball, he's been the face of baseball, as I just said, for 20 seasons. You know, he's been the main guy in New York, and... He'll, and I made this point before, but I, I, I truly believe this. He's already probably the most loved New York, New York athlete there is right now. Absolutely. Imagine what it's going to be like 10 years from now, 20 years from now. I mean, Derek Jeter is the type of player. He's a once-in-a-lifetime type of player that you're going to tell your kids and your grandkids that you had the opportunity to watch Derek Jeter play. Yeah, he's one of the best. And, uh, you know, it was great when he was asked, I forgot who asked it, you know, where do you see yourself rank among the greatest Yankees of all time? And, and he laughed because he knows that, 
you know, it, it, it's awfully tough to to follow the guys like Ruth, DiMaggio, Gehrig, Mantle. But, but he, I think he the Mount Rushmore, the Mount Rushmore, which is, which is ridiculous. ridiculous. It doesn't matter. But Derek Jeter knows where he ranks of the all-time Yankees. He knows where he is and where he where he'll be looked at in twenty. He knows. He, you know, he, he he's not stupid. He knows who he is with the Yankees. But he also knows that you know it's very tough to to follow in the footsteps of Ruth Garrett and Mantle. Those guys and DiMaggio. Those guys are you know not just great Yankees, but they're the faces of Major League Baseball. And just think about the match between the Yankees and Jeter. Couldn't have been any better. The oh, winning yeah. four championships in five years when he starts his career off, winning the Rookie of the Year in 1996, the Jeffrey Mayer home run, the amount of storybook moments yeah. this guy has had from his 3,000 hit it being a home run that Christian Lopez, the fan, caught out in left field to the fact that he went 5-for-5 five five that day and hit the game-winning hit right. in the eighth inning. I mean, people forget all the little things about Derek Jeter, but it's the intangibles, the fact that he runs hard to first base every play, the fact that no matter what, he's going to be in that lineup and he's going to give you 100%. He's been a leader. He's been the captain of the Yankees since 2003. The guy has done has done absolutely everything you can ask for. And just we talked about the marquee moments, the flip play against the A's absolutely. in the 2001 playoffs. Diving into the stands twice, once in the playoffs and then once in 2004 against the Red Sox. All-Star Game MVP in 2000 and the World Series and MVP World that Series year MVP. against the Mets. He's the only player in the history of Major League Baseball to win both the All-Star Game MVP and the MVP of the World Series in the same year. Derek Jeter has been a perfect fit for the Yankees. The Yankees have helped make Derek Jeter. You couldn't ask for a better marriage than that for 20 years. Yeah, and how about the fact Jason Zillow made, who uh, runs the Yankees PR, obviously, uh, you know, he said you know, Derek Jeter's played in over, what, 2,200 games and played in only one game where the Yankees were mathematically eliminated from playoff contention. Just absurd. That's his unbelievable. He's a winner. Because obviously last year he was hurt. He didn't play mm-hmm. when the Yankees were mathematically eliminated. But, you know, Derek Jeter is a winner. The guy's a winner. And, uh, you know, he'll be missed in New York. But, uh, you know, he, he he leaves a legacy that uh, that will be remembered, that core four. But Derek Jeter especially because... You know, he will go down as one of the greatest shortstops of all time. 13-time All-Star, 5-time Gold Glove winner, 2009 SI Sports Illustrated Man of the Year, Sports Man of the Year. It's been a pleasure watching Derek Jeter play, and obviously whoever has to fill in for him going forward next season, pretty tough shoes to fill. Yeah, just like David Robertson's got to fill in for Mariano Rivera. <laughs> yeah, but it's little, the best closer it's ever. The best closer, but it's a little different when, you get, when you're filling in for a guy that plays every day. Yeah, very it's, it's very different because, you know, I think – you know, Robertson's going to feel the heat. Obviously, you're, anytime you're replacing a legend, it's you know it's, those are tough shoes to follow. But you know, you're talking about a guy that was the captain of the Yankees and played shortstop every day through thick and thin, and you're replacing that. That's going to be tough shoes to follow. So, wh- whoever whoever is that man, who if he's on the Yankee roster now or not, or is someone via free agency or trade, that's. You know, that's going to be big shoes to follow. You know, it's going to be an adjustment period now for Absolutely. Yankee fans. For 20 years, you've been used to going out there, you turn on a game, go to a game. Derek Jeter, number two, is going to be at shortstop for this team. And but now, if he's not playing short, he's still representing the team. He's there. You, yeah. you, when you think of the Yankees, you think of Derek Jeter. Now who's who becomes the face of this team? Robinson Cano is gone. He could have been the guy. Yeah. Is it Mark Deshera? Is it maybe... Uh, you know, a guy like Mashiro Tanaka or Brian McCann. You know, you don't really, the Yankees are going to go through a bit of an identity crisis next year. It's going to be a lot different. You know, the past couple of years when you had Posada retire, Pettit and Rivera both being gone for this season. Now Jeter, after this upcoming year, it's pretty crazy. The 2014 is going to be a special year for the New York Yankees. And before we switch topics, we have a couple interesting facts about Derek Jeter that people may not know. He made his movie debut in 2010 with the Mark, Mal- Mark Wahlberg and Will Ferrell right. movie, The Other Guys, right. if you remember. yes. He also played AAU basketball against, get this, Chris Weber and Jalen Rose. Derek's from I Michigan. Yeah, he is. He from played Mid- on yep. the same team as two NBA players and obviously two members of the Fat Five in the early 90s. Wow. So that's an interesting fact. Yeah. One more for you. In Derek's junior high yearbook, students were asked to predict what they would be doing in 10 years. Guess what Derek Jeter wrote? 
playing shortstop for the New York Yankees. Yes, that he I've did. heard before. Yeah, how, how crazy is that? That I've heard before. The That's had unbelievable. A, he's living, literally living his dream. He said yeah. from the beginning he wanted to be a shortstop for the New York Yankees. He grew up a Yankee fan. He grew up a Yankee fan. He's originally from New Jersey. His family moved out to Michigan. It's a, 20 it's years a, later. It's a storybook ending. 20 years later. Couldn't, couldn't be any better it's for Derek Jeter. storybook ending. And just a couple of things on. We mentioned the 3,000 hit with Christian Lopez. Christian Lopez, the fan who caught the ball, he gave it to Derek Jeter without right. asking for anything. Just wanted him to have the ball. Lopez, being a big Yankee fan, he caught the 3,000 home run ball. The Yankees gave him tickets and signed memorabilia. And Models and Steiner Sports pledged $50,000 to help Lopez pay off his college debt. That's unbelievable, too. Worked out pretty well for him yeah, as well. And right. he's cemented in history. I mean, when you look at highlights of Derek Cheater, you'll have the flip play. You'll have the diving into Jeffrey the stands. Mayer. You'll have Jeffrey Mayer. You'll have the home run for number 3,000 with Christian yep. Lopez raising the ball, going nuts. Yeah. So he's synonymous in Yankee history now. And obviously, Derek Cheater's going to be missed, but Yankee fans got to enjoy 2014. They have a better team on the field this year. Should be a playoff team. Maybe you're in a World Series contender if things go right. We'll get into the Yankees more on the show coming up. We actually reached out just as a heads up. We're going to have Andrew Marchand on. We're working on getting him on next week. He's ESPN New York's senior Yankees beat writer. Yep. Also an Ithaca College graduate back in 1997. So we're looking forward to having him on the podcast. We'll get into the Yankees more next week. But today's show, got to be all about Derek Jeter. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing I think uh, that uh, he really expressed was the fact that you know, he wants to be remembered as, well, not that he wants to be remembered, but the fact that he wants to go out on his own terms. We mm-hmm. talked about that. And, you know, the fact that he saw Mo and he saw what they did. And, um, you know, it's great. He's going to be missed. He's going to absolutely be missed. But um, it really is, uh, you know, it's hard. I'm a, I'm a huge Met fan, so I, I can't relate to rooting for Derek Jeter every day. But obviously, he, he, he really didn't only represent the Yankees. He represented baseball. And he represented baseball, period. Here's the thing. You could hate the Yankees, and a lot of people do because they say they spent too can't much. can't hate Jeter. They're the Yankees. No one will ever say a bad thing about Derek Jeter. I mean, he has the utmost respect from his peers. He was named the 2009 World Baseball Classic captain for the Team USA. I mean, the guy's done everything. You look at some of the quotes from uh, other major leaguers around the league when they were asked to comment on his on Jeter announcing his retirement. Albert Pujols compared him to Jesus. Tustin Pedroia said the man's perfect. That's tough to. That's tough to. That's a tough guy to follow up. Jesus. You know, Jesus, great guy. Great guy. But uh, obviously, Derek Jeter has the utmost respect around Major League Baseball and. As Bud Selig said, this guy has been an ambassador for the game for the past 20 years. He's definitely going to be missed. Yeah, and um, he 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 took the hard questions. He faced it, and I think you know we talk we talked about it on Spreecast list. Like one of the things when I think of Derek Jeter, and I think of you know going through the fact that he played during the steroid era, and there was a lot of things going on, and a lot of you know guys get tested positive here, suspensions here, including Alex Rodriguez, the the madness we've seen with him over the last seven eight months. You know you know I remember back in 2006 when. Uh, you know, right after a couple of years after Rafael Palmeiro waved his finger at Congress and said, you know, I didn't do this. I didn't take steroids. And he said, you know, not everyone was doing it. You know, Derek went out there because when everyone because Derek acknowledged the fact that people would think, oh, everyone's taking steroids. Everyone's everyone's doing and it. an era full of cheaters. Derek Jeter was never yeah. associated and, with anything. And that was the one, one that them. was the one thing Derek Jeter spoke very, you know, loudly about is not everyone. Was Remember doing the commercial it. he made from MLB yep, baseball? Absolutely. The, uh, steroids don't make great athletes. They destroy them was the yeah. one in the commercial that he made. I mean, you can't say uh, you you could spend an hour and a half, four hours just on Derek Jeter alone. Yeah, you Derek go Jeter, all day. Derek Jeter represented the guys that did that were that have been playing baseball clean over the last twenty years. And listen, there are a lot of them, and I think that's one of the things Derek Jeter advocated over the last five, six, seven years is that there were plenty of guys playing the game clean. And you can be a great player without Abs- taking steroids. Absolutely, and he proved it. Yep, he proved it in an era where. Hundreds of people Every, uh, were using yeah. it. Some notable stars, as you know. Yeah, the, the, whole, guy, the, the guy that was to look the, the guy, right of him look, for, yeah, for Look at the guy years. playing third base. Mr. Alex Rodriguez, who's suspended for the entire 2014 season. But 
I mean, once again, what else can you say about Derek Jeter? The guy's a legend, and 2014 is going to be an amazing ride to watch. Yeah, and he also mentioned the fact that you know he didn't get to enjoy it. You know, his parents said you would talk to him during when he was going for 3,000 hits. You got to enjoy it, you know, because which is why he let HBO do that documentary on him and really get into the inside and I think, see what he's going through. And, and I think that. one of the things, he, you know, the reason why he wanted this to be his last season and, and know this was going to be his last season. So he can w- enjoy it. He wants to enjoy mm-hmm. it. He wants to take Absolutely. it all in and, and embrace the fact that when he goes to every city, people are going to, you know, cheering for him. He wants that. And he, and he deserves it, too, because he's, you know, he's he's had to carry a lot. You know, being the face of the New York Yankees takes a lot. So, you know, he deserves it. No doubt about that. So we'll get into more with Derek Jeter. We'll get into more with the Yankees going forward. Spring training just started. Obviously, today, the big news around baseball, the press conference that Derek Jeter is currently having right now, talking about his retirement, meeting with the members of the media, and talking about his decision to ultimately hang up the cleats after the 2014 season. But now, with the NBA trade line coming up, we're going to change topics. The Knicks have been awful this season. They are the local team. They are right now 20-33. and 33. They're 13 games under 500. Oh, they're a train wreck. They're a train wreck. Awful. I mean, there's nothing else you could really say about this Knicks team. I mean, we we talked on our show on Spreecast. We've talked about before off the air about the whole idea of trying to keep Carmelo Anthony, not being able to let this guy go away. Obviously, the Knicks feel the same way. They're not trading Carmelo Anthony. You can't trade Carmelo But, I mean, just the visible frustration uh, of this guy doing everything right last night, playing a great game, even finding a wide-open J.R. Smith against the Memphis Grizzlies last night. J.R. couldn't hit the shot. Got a great look. Could have put the Knicks back in front. I mean, yesterday, the Knicks... The Knicks, um, you know, came back down 13 in the game, came back in that second but half, this is the had an way, opportunity to win the game, and absolutely. once again, as they've done this entire season, this is the found way, another way to lose. This is the way the Knicks have lost the entire season, where, you know, they'll play, you know, and the Grizzlies are a good team, don't don't get me wrong, but they've played teams like the Kings, the Bucks, you know, the two, Sixers, the Sixers, the worst teams in the NBA, and they play them like they're the... You know, like they're like they're the, the the Lakers of the mid '80s. You know, it's terrible, and the way the Knicks have played this year. And you know, if you want to give Carmelo Anthony something to, to hang his hat on, it's not this team and this roster. The fact that you know Raymond Felton's overweight, out of shape, can't play point guard anymore. It, it, at least right now for the New York, he Knicks. got benched last night. He got night benched. Too. He can't play. He can't play anymore. And the fact that you know we're going to talk about the NBA trade line. The fact that the Knicks, you know, are, are are in trade talks with Lowry and and thinks they could get T, you know, and you want that against your cap. They have enough cap issues right now. You're gonna, you're prepared to give up a draft pick, draft pick or Tim Hardaway Jr. for Jeff Teague right now? No, that, that's not the answer for this team. Is making the playoffs that important to the Knicks just to get they're going to be a first round out. By Indiana or Miami in the first round unless they can get to the sixty? They're not, which getting, they're to the not 60. getting to the sixty. They they're thirteen they games under five hundred. And and for the fact people are going to say, well, the Knicks will make the play. They'll get the eight. I don't know if they're getting the eighth seed. Well, right like, now, when are they going to get high? Let's look at it. Right now, they're three and a half games behind Charlotte for the final spot in, in, in eighth place. What does that really mean? You make the eight, you're the eighth seed in the NBA play. What does that mean? But when are they going to start winning? You when is make it going to happen? But what NBA. I'm saying is, people are like, well, they're getting, you know, are taking it for granted that they'll that they're going to get into the eighth. So I don't think they are going to make the play. They have not played well all season. What makes you think now they're going to turn it around and play decently and get the eight seed, no. and then they'll be knocked down the and first round? And the fact round. that they didn't fire Mike Woodson when they had the opportunity to do so at the All Star break, mistake. you had five days off from game for between the end of the uh, first half of the season to the start of the second last night in Memphis. And the fact that they didn't make a change indicates to me if you weren't going to fire him then and you weren't going to fire him at any point before, you're riding out Mike Woodson for the end of the year and you'll make a change to head coach in the offseason. I mean, there's nothing else you can say with this Knicks team right now. But I don't want to talk about the game last night in Memphis. It's been the story the whole season. It's a story. It's a storyline. Making costly mistakes. Making stupid errors. Finding a way to lose, which is what losing teams do, which is what 13 games under 500 teams do after you win 54 games a year ago. It really doesn't make any sense. And you could spend 
every minute you want talking about Melo this and trying to blame him. But the bottom line is Carmelo Anthony has played as well as you could ask him to play this season. He's put he's, le- he's second in the NBA in scoring. His assists are up. He's averaging almost 10 rebounds a game. He's done everything he can to try and will this team to victory. And the bottom line is he just doesn't have the help of the supporting cast. And it's shameful. You've had down seasons from Iman Shumpert, J.R. Smith. Tyson you mentioned Chandler. Raymond Felton. Tyson Chandler's been hurt. Bargnani's been hurt. Pablo Prigioni's a nice player, but he's not a guy that can give you 30 minutes. There's no there one... is no other point guard to facilitate this offense. And the Knicks have just looked dreadful. And you talked about the whole idea of trying to trade for a Carl Lowry it or makes Jeff no Sense. Don't do it. What's the difference if you get in as the eighth seed and lose? You're going to hinder your cap situation. Kyle Lowry is under is a free agent after the season, so you're going to give a lot of assets to trade for a rental player, not knowing if you're going to be able to resign him. And even if you do, it hits your cap. You're going to hurt yourself because in 2015, when Tyson Chandler, Andre Bargnani, and um, and Amari Stoudemire's contract come off the books. You want to go out there and try and be able to get a Kevin Love, a Rajon Rondo, a LaMarcus Aldridge. And bring someone you in. You want to try and bring yep. in some of those players to try and play with Carmelo Anthony if he stays. Who knows at this point with how bad the Knicks are. I do think he will stay. I think But my point is you are not in a situation right now to be going out there to try and you know get a quick fix to try and get you into the eighth seed of the playoffs just so you can get swept in the first round What's by Miami or Indiana. The quick, there's no quick fix. This team, it, it, from, from top to bottom, besides Carmelo Anthony— you know, the only reason why they're not the Milwaukee Bucks or the Sacramento because Kings of Carmel is Anthony. because of Carmelo Anthony. Yep. There's nothing else on this roster that 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 that's that, that's bringing them to wins. That's 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 uh, anchoring them in any in any way, shape, or form. Listen, if you look at um, if you look at the Knicks last year, what was the big difference? Carmelo Anthony scored as usual. We know that you JR, had a career year from Jr. You had a career year from Jr. Played well when he came back. Absolutely. I mean, this. It really not that much different. You mean to tell me Jason Kidd's the difference? Forget about wins forget about kid, forget about kid Thomas and Rasheed Wallace. I'm not worried about that. The fact is they have not had any scoring production from anyone besides Carmelo Anthony, and no. that is a problem. They thought it could come from Andrea Bargnani. Even when he was healthy, he was not scoring on a consistent And you know what the basis. biggest difference is? Raymond Felton had a very nice season a year ago. For whatever reason, Absolutely. if he's overweight, he came into camp out of shape. Whatever the reason may be. He's not a starting point guard in the NBA, and the He's problem not. is when you have a Carmelo Anthony type of player, you need a great point guard to play alongside him. Melo's not a point forward. He's not. People try to compare him to LeBron James, which is ridiculous. LeBron James is a top five player in the history yeah. of the NBA when it's all said and done. Carmelo Anthony is a very good player, and you can win with Carmelo Anthony. We saw it last year when he was third in MVP voting. But you need to have the right guys around Melo, and you're just doing him an unbelievable disservice by this team you have around him right now. And Frankly, to go out there and try and acquire Kyle Lowry and trade a 2018 first-round pick because the Knicks can't trade one until then, the difference it's is not worth it. For this Don't team. hurt your future to try and make the playoffs and be an 8 seed. So that brings up the discussion. You mentioned the Kyle Lowry and the Jeff Teagues of the world out in Atlanta. You go out and try and bring in Jeff Teague, he's got $24 million left on his deal in three more years. That's going to hinder you for 2015. Ride out the rest of the season. Hope Steve Mills, the general manager of this team, for whatever reason, can be a little creative in the offseason. Maybe unload a Tyson contract, an Amari contract, or a Bagnani contract. I know it's unlikely, but it can be done before. You can be creative. You can be smart. Maybe you throw in a, a Iman Shumpert in a deal or Tim Hardaway Jr. you got to do something. Maybe you can add someone in this upcoming offseason. But the real plan for the Knicks... It's 2015. Don't hurt yourself now to try and be an eight seed in the in the Eastern Conference where you get swept by Indiana or you get swept by LeBron James and the Miami Heat. Well, that's another thing you have to sell Carmelo Anthony on. Is he going to want to wait another year? You have to sell him on that. Listen, this guy's not getting any younger. You know, 
he wants to win. He's in the prime right now. He's, he's in the he's years in the old. prime of his career. You know, he he's a tremendous scorer. He wants to win. The guy you and you can't blame him. He wants to win. How he's been the only one making the plays this year. How frustrated he was last and night. I think people, he made the right pass to Jared Smith. Jared Smith air balls a wide open three. I think people three. that 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 hit on Carmelo that he hasn't been clutched since he's a Nick is ridiculous. I think the fact this year there's nothing around him to help him They're out. Not, he, here's the thing: the people want to get on Carmelo because he's missed a lot of late shots, like with the, win the game or tie the game late in the fourth quarter. They're not in that those type of situations unless Carmelo Anthony's averaging Absolutely. his 27 points a game. He guys playing 39 minutes a night out of 45. I, I mean, I don't know what else you really want from no, the guy. Well, they need him to. They need. They, there's nothing else on this team. You could, if you, when he's out of the game, this team this team is offensively challenged. They're not scoring points when he's outside. When he's out of the game, when they do score points, it usually the ball is. It starts off in Carmelo's hands, and, and they move it around, and they're able to facilitate the ball. That That's what I've seen at Carmelo Anthony. I think one thing I will say about Carmelo Anthony this year, people doubt his leadership skills. I think he's been more of a leader this year than ever before. The amount of times he's had an opportunity to snipe at teammates, and the guy hasn't done it. The yeah. guy's been a complete team player this Absolutely. year. Absolutely. Carmelo Anthony gets a horrible reputation Terrible. for whatever the reason There's may no be. There's no reason. The guy has played as well as you could ask for for him. It's a shame that he's on this type of team right now because the bottom line is, We've seen it. When you have the right players around Carmelo Anthony, he could go to a conference final as he did in 2009 with Chauncey Billups out in Denver. He could win 54 games to be the two-seed in the East and go to Game 6 against Indiana. lead the NBA in scoring. He could lead the NBA in scoring, coming third in MVP voting. I know Carmelo Anthony is the right guy to lead this team. It's a matter of, do the Knicks know what players to put around this guy to make this team successful going forward? And we keep going back to this. This idea of trying to trade for a Kyle Lowry or a Jeff Teague. Don't do it. The Knicks do it. They're foolish, and it shows you they only care about the right now. There's no long-term longevity. There's no long-term future. Well, we know future. Woodson's gone. He's gone. There's we know Mike coach. Woodson's not back. So Mike Woodson. So if you're, if you're trying to, if you're, if you're Mills and, you're, and and Dolan, and you're trying to bring in Lowry, and you think that making the playoffs will give Mike Woodson a better image, and you want to try, Woodson is gone. He will not be coaching they this team next year. That. But if he's not going to be coaching this team last year, next year, then I go back two weeks. I fire him two weeks ago. I fire him two weeks ago. Why after not? The Bucks Spark lost. up the team. Spark up the team. You bring in an interim coach. If you, if, if he's not, I don't the know if it's going to make that much of a difference. But no, you got to do something. You can't. But what I, what the perception is that the Knicks are doing right now, and they they try they're trying to not have this perception by by being in talks with Kyle Lowry, acquiring him from the Raptors, and Jeff Teague is that they're not just going to lay out and die. Well, by leaving Mike Woodson as your head coach, you are showing that you you're not really pushing. To, to spark this team, to spark some of the players that haven't played well this year. It shows you're not doing that. Uh, Mike Woodson's message is stale at this point. It's stale. They need a change in headman. They need a new head coach. And they should have let Mike Woodson go when they can. Now, it looks ridiculous if you let him go at this point. After the All-Star break, when this team's already 13 games under 500, this should have been done two weeks ago. If it's Herb Williams you're bringing in on the interim, fine. They had this thing. I don't know what it was, but Frank Isola talked about it a couple weeks ago. They did not want to bring in an interim head coach and have to hire someone at the end of the year. I don't know why. I think it's ridiculous. If it, if, it, if it's not working right now, you you fix it, and then if, it's, if, if that's not the answer, you fix it again. That's part of running an organization. I don't get what the Knicks are doing right now. I would have fired Mike Woodson two weeks ago when you had the chance to. They've had multiple opportunities yeah. to do so. Yeah, he's, it, it, Mike Woodson has cost them a handful of listen, games. Listen, I like Mike Woodson. I think he's did a great job last year, but his message got stale fast this year yeah. with a team that's not competitive, and they need to make a change. Listen, either way, he's not coming back. Unless he will not be back. Miraculous he will not be back run and they year. win a playoff round, which is extremely unlikely. Mike Woodson is gone. He knows it. The Knicks know it. I agree with you. I don't understand why you wouldn't make a move. They must feel, obviously, that they don't have a legitimate candidate on their coaching staff right now to take over the head coach head coaching reins. But my point would be, 
what you're doing right now is not working. How much worse could it really get? You're already 13 games into 500. Let me tell you something. If you feel that you don't have a guy on your coaching staff that could be the head coach in a in a, in a situation, then that's your fault. That's a poor, now, that, yeah. That's a poor absolutely running your organization. Great the point. whole point of having a coaching staff is the fact that you know it's like it's like a vice president. You know, you want someone that could step in and and, and take over the helm if needed. The fact that you feel that you can't fire Mike Woodson because you don't think Herb Williams, your assistant, could do a quality job, then that's the Knicks' fault for putting him in that. Well, position. look at what happened when Mike D'Antoni was like, oh, Mike Woodson was exactly. the was the coach could, right there. there. He took over, and the team went fourteen and two from that point on and went into the playoffs. They obviously lost in the first round, but they finished the season strong after a debacle of a season earlier in the year. If it wasn't for Jeremy Lin, that Knicks team would have been horrendous yeah. and finished well under. Very 500. similar to the way they look now. Just comparison, very yeah. similar. No point guard, no movement on offense, very similar. Difference is there's no Jeremy Lin coming to save them this time there's around. There's no one coming in to save them. There, there really isn't. No, this is the Knicks team, and I think if they're foolish enough to make a move before Friday's trade deadline, they're beyond stupid. No. And, well, I mean, it's the Knicks. Would it really surprise you? It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, give up the 18. Sure, no, no, sure. Don't have a first trade. Round pick the to draft trade. Yeah. Sign everyone. Sure. Yeah, why don't we bring in Jerome James again to give him another five-year sure. deal? Yeah. Eddie Curry, you want him to come back? Play sure, center for here the he's Knicks? available. Greg Oden, he's a great guy. Why don't we go to Miami? We'll get him to yeah, come, sure. come aboard. Sure. It's, the Knicks are unbelievable. It's maddening, but your gut feeling, do they make a move before Friday's trade deadline? I don't think they do. I, I don't think they do, only because I don't think they want to trade Tim Hardaway Jr. right now and and a first-round pick if that if that need be. Plus, you got it. You mentioned Larry. you got to re-sign him. It's hit against your cap. Teague's already hit against your cap. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Go the rest of the season. See where you end up, and hopefully, you know, if you want, if you jump in for the AC, fine. You're going to be eliminated in the first round, anyways. There's, you know, unless you jump, you mentioned to the six, and they're not going to do that. They're not, not good enough. They're just not good enough right not now. Happening. They're 13 See, games. And you mentioned if Mills in the offseason can get creative. That's his job. Get creative a little bit. Do move money something. around. Yeah. I don't want to try to spark this team for next year, yeah. and then in two years, when you have the, uh, then after next season, you're able to recruit some of the big guys you mentioned, Kevin Love, Aldrich. If you're able to bring them in and put a team out there that could compete for a championship year in and year. Absolutely. So that's the Knicks debacle we just got into a little bit. But finally, we're gonna switch things up. Talk a little bit about the Jimmy Fallon new Tonight oh, Show it's that great. debuted. It's great. Uh, but we've awesome. been we've been big. I know the two of us. We for years we've been big time Jimmy Fallon fans when he was hosting the late night show. So. Um, it was um, uh, you know, really cool to see him you know, host the Tonight it was Show. Awesome, uh, great. Obviously, new set looks awesome. The set looks very cool. I thought they did a great job creating that. They spent millions of dollars oh, yeah. with the new studio. They added more seats to it. The the everything is state of the art there. The amount of writers. If you watch the credits of the show, the amount yeah. of writers they have on these late night shows really is unbelievable. But Fallon did a great job. I thought on the first show, he brought in 11.3 million viewers. Uh, not as high as Jay Leno's final send-off. That was 14.6. Before an opening, that's about as good as it gets. Yeah. I thought Fallon was great. Having Will Smith and him do the, the hip-hop creative dance was, oh, that was hilarious. Oh, it was, so it was awesome. Funny. Doing the Carlton. I mean, about, about as good as it gets right there as far as entertainment goes. I think Fallon's going to do a great job. I thought he would be great. I think what's great about Jimmy Fallon is his ability to sing and dance where the other late-night hosts aren't able to do that like he does. I think his creativity is a lot better than some of these other guys. I think he really – what NBC wants is someone to apply to the demographic that we're in, the 18 yeah, the, the, the younger demographic. Yeah, sure. And I think Fallon does that. I think he exemplifies what that's all about. His first two shows, the last night he had on Jerry Seinfeld – it was, you know, it was great. It was great, it was yeah. Funny you, first night, you two sure. playing on the he roof. He was awesome. I, for, how great was the cameos the first night, too? Between, oh, was, oh, so oh, and funny. The, between Joe Namath being on the show. Joe Namath, Kim yeah. Kardashian. I mean, my God. And we were talking about it while it was going on. We said, how funny would it be if Jay Leno came out at the end? That would have that been, been, been the funny. icing on the cake. Mm-hmm. Of, for, you know, it didn't, didn't turn out like that, but it would have been unbelievable if Leno came out at the end. Slapped the $100. Slapped the $100 and walked out. That would have been great. Yeah, we talked about that. That would have been funny, but... um. 
Fallon, he, so his first show, he's up 71% from what he was when he was doing the uh, late night show, obviously. Late new time expect, slot. Yeah. He gets helped by the Olympics being a lead, and he's starting um, at 12 compared to the 11.35 start that they usually start. Final thing, though, as far as the cameos from that first show, Stephen Col- Colbert killed it. Oh, Hilarious. He's, he's one of a kind. Colbert's one of a kind. I mean, that was... Uh, I was the pinnacle of comedy yeah, that was right there. So it was funny. great. It was great. I'm, I'm telling you, the opening, the, the cameos, Will Smith, you two, it really couldn't have been a better first show for Jimmy Fallon. And then the have on Jerry Seinfeld last night, I thought it was oh, yeah. great guest. I, it, 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 Jerry doing a little stand-up before he actually sat down on the couch and started talking with Jimmy. Oh, he had to, You knew he was going to do stand-up. Jerry loves doing the stand-up. Yeah, oh, yeah. Every, everywhere he goes. He, he got his start on the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson yep, back in the back day. Back in the day. They actually, I saw on Twitter last night, they had it. If anyone wants to see this, I think I retweeted it out, at Jake Asman. You'll see it on Twitter. You have a picture of Jimmy Fallon, I, I, excuse me, of Jerry Seinfeld, what he looked like when he did the Johnny Carson show for the first time, and then what he looked like when he did the show last night, the compare and contrast, how the age That's... difference 20-something years later, 25 years later, whatever it is, between the first two, uh, time he was on The Tonight Show with Carson's and The Tonight Show last night with Jimmy Fallon. But, I mean, so far it's been great. I've been really excited about Jimmy Fallon. I'm also a huge Jimmy Kimmel fan. I think Kimmel's great. Uh, Especially, I think his strength is interviews. I think Jimmy Kimmel is great. He's sarcastic. He's funny. He's enjoyable to listen to. Um, I I like Letterman, too. I don't mind David Letterman at all. But I think that Jimmy Fallon is really exactly what NBC wants. They want that younger audience to be into the show. I think through two shows, you've really seen what Jimmy Fallon could do. And when he starts getting creative with the dancing and all the other skits he does. it's great. We were talking about Derek Jeter before. If anyone wants to see a hilarious video... Go on YouTube and type it. Type in Derek Jeter on Jimmy Fallon. They did different bat songs oh, for Derek so Jeter walk up music. It was yeah. hysterical. Make sure you take a look at that. Well, that's where you know the SNL background comes in. The acting. That's why Jimmy Fallon it helps. Is, he's great. Absolutely. Jimmy Fallon's awesome. Jimmy Fallon is absolutely awesome. He's gonna he's gonna he's gonna do a great job on the Tonight Show. There's no doubt in my mind. And you know, obviously last night with uh, you know, Lady Guy, it's just he he's had some great great lineups for the. First you know, the first shows. week of the show was gonna be stacked. They were yeah. gonna do everything they can. They've had weeks to prepare for this and. He's performed so far. I, I mean, I'm looking forward to watching him every night. Any opportunity I get to uh, absolutely. I think uh, show. third show. He's got Bradley Cooper coming on, so that'll be. Uh, he's got Michelle Obama coming on soon. Yeah, this week. So, um, listen, he 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 was he was fantastic. The first show was all. The first show was great. You know, he came out, introduced everyone. You know, and uh, you definitely saw a different side of him because he was a little emotional. This was which is so cool. He, he grew up watching the Tonight Show mm-hmm. with Johnny Carson. This was his first. You know, he's on the show now, and this was a dream come true for him. So I think that was a different side of Jimmy Fallon we got to see, which was pretty cool. How about when he took a little zing at uh, Jay Leno with the whole Conan O'Brien oh, debacle so, and the monologue, too? When That's he went what Jimmy the, Fallon the does, The history though. of the show, he's yeah. He's funny. You know, he's not going to you know say anything that controversial or that crazy. He's going to make his little smart remark that gets yeah. a couple laughs. That's what he does. That's Absolutely. what he does great. Absolutely. He's awesome. Jimmy Fallon's great. I'm a, I'm a fan going back to SNL, so I I think he's he's absolutely hilarious. So late night's a lot different now. You have Letterman obviously on CBS. You have Fallon as we just talked about on NBC. Conan on TBS. Conan's on TBS. He starts a little later than them, and then Kimmel's also on at the 11:35 spot on ABC. And then don't forget Seth Meyers well, I was coming to say, into the thing. Well, before we wrap up the show, we got to talk about Seth Meyers. He's getting an opportunity to get a debut um, with the um, with NBC taking over for Fallon on the late night. So it's going to be really interesting to see how he does. I love Seth Myers. I've been a big fan for years. It's going to be you know, really awesome to see how he does. I think he's hilarious from the weekend update desk to everything he's done with SNL being the head writer of that show. I think Seth Myers is also going to do a fantastic job. Yeah, we just got an update from uh, our producer, Jake Chernock. This is via uh, Frank Isola's Twitter. The Knicks are trying to acquire point guard Darren Collison for the Cl- from the Clippers for Iman Shumpert and Raymond Felton. You know, great stuff, Jake. That's uh, you know, We go into that a little bit. 
you bring in a Darren Collison, you know that that's that's a point guard you could you, you could have for a few years. It avoids the need to go after Rondo. But my question is: Is Shumpert and Felton going to get it done alone? Throws it. You got to throw in a pick. There's going to be you're going to have to throw in that 18 pick. It's good. Here's the thing: That, that's what, that I, I have a feeling. That's, that's, I don't see that getting Collison done to two of them. It's a good trade if they don't have to give up anything else. Yeah, I if mean, you have to give up Iman Shumpert, you get rid of Felton, you bring in a point guard. Iman Shumpert's been horrible this season. He's really underperformed. Hasn't taken that next step towards being a great player that the Knicks thought they had when they drafted him. Hasn't brought that same defensive he's intensity. The, he's declined. If it you, looked like after his injury he was going to come back I mean, stronger than ever. He was in Game 6 of the playoffs yeah. when he had three consecutive threes and had 20-something points in that Game 6, which the Knicks eventually did lose, of course. And you know what? It's going to be interesting to see if they make that move. I'm all for it if they could get it done. If it's if it's for Shumpert and Felton, I'd do it in a heartbeat. Because that helps the Knicks win and now it's not a huge without a long-term problem exactly. for 2015. Because it's, it's all about 2015. If you can add, I didn't think it was possible to be able to add someone and not have your cap be effective for yeah. the long haul. If you could do that trade, as Jake Chernock and you don't, pointed and out. And you don't have to give away Tim Hardaway Jr. And you don't have to give away the pick. If that's going to get it done, you do that in a heartbeat. It's not even a question you do that in a heartbeat. Because you're not only improving the team for the now... Collison, I believe, is under contract for a little while. I believe so. I'm not 100% mm-hmm. sure. But it's not necessarily a huge cap hit. So I think that's a uh, that's something that, uh, you know, followed up until the trade deadline. If the Knicks get that done, that is that makes them better now and for the future. That would be absolutely fantastic if they could make that type of move right there. I don't know if they can. Stay tuned. I'm sure we'll be tweeting about it once again, Dan. Absolutely. At Dan Budick, at Jake Asman. But before we wrap up the show, give us a couple thoughts on Seth Myers being the new Late night host taking over for Fallon, obviously. Seth Myers. I, I listen, it's interesting. It'll be you know, he did weekend update obviously on SNL. It's nothing like late night television other than being behind a desk, but I, I think he'll do a good job. You know, people are are, are spect are spectating how he'll do or are curious on how he'll do. I think he's gonna do a good job. I really do. I think it's gonna be a learning curve for him. He's never really done late night he's never done late night before. And I think Jimmy Fallon uh, spoke about that when he first started doing it. There was an adjustment. It's it's not you know, as easy as it looks on television, which I 100, percent you know, agree with, and I I definitely could see how. But I think Seth will do a good job. I'm looking forward to watching him. Quick update on the whole um, the whole update with the Knicks trade situation with Darren Collison. Al Anazone of um, Newsday tweets: Felton and Shumper would be involved in the deal. Oh, so Knicks that- would have to take something else back from the clips other than Collison. So maybe okay. maybe we're doing a little exchange of contracts here. They'll work out the final details if anything does become official. Reggie Bullock is another guy that Interesting. is rumored, as we just heard from Jake Chernock, our producer, could be in that deal as well. So we, we talked about the Knicks. We talked about Derek Jeter. We talked about a little late night. Late Dan, night. it's been a great first podcast. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I look forward to doing this every week. It's it's uh, you know it's the start of something great, so I'm looking forward to it. It's a lot of fun. Once again, you can follow us on Twitter at, at Jake Asman, at Dan Budick. Make sure you also follow at ICTV16. They are the official uh, producer right. content of this show. They're helping us get everything aboard. Once again, thank you to our producer, Mr. Jake Chernock, Absolutely. the head of web development here at ICTV. David Owens sitting in on the first show. David thank Owens. you, David. We're happy to have him sitting on the first show, as you just said, Dan. And we'll definitely be back. This is going to be a weekly thing. We'll be on iTunes. Make sure you once again follow us on Twitter. And we're going to get things wrong. We think it's going to be a start of something great. Tweet us any questions or comments, and we'll be sure to read them on the show going forward. We're really excited about this. And, uh, you know, can't wait to do this again next week. Dan. Yeah, we're going to have uh, – this was the first show, so we're just trying to, you know, get used to everything, get everything going. But we're going to have some fun segments. We're going to have some guests coming on. You mentioned Marchand, possibly John Jastrzemski from WFAN, Ed Coleman from WFAN, people we've reached out to. So hopefully we'll, we'll be able to patch in a few guests uh, when we get everything going. Got some segments, like I mentioned. It's going to be a lot of fun. Jay Chernock, we're also working on a couple segments with him. Absolutely. We're going to get him involved. It's going to be a lot of fun. But uh, that's going to do it for the first edition of the Asmin and Beauty Podcast. We'll be back next week. 
for uh, week two of the Azure to Beauty podcast. A lot more to talk about, a lot more sports and entertainment. Jake, it's been a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Thanks, everyone, for tuning Thanks in, for and tuning we'll in. see you next week. We'll see you next week.